Hi, welcome to this subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection, for you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. That was the new ciabatta collection by Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Welcome to another show, the Under the Dome show and podcast. I am your host, Ben Belden, and we are live from what I'm now calling the Under the Dome studios. So, sounds official. We're doing a live show. That also sounds official. Hopefully, I sound okay. I was supposed to start this at 4 o'clock Eastern on September 2nd. Lo and behold, five minutes before I was supposed to start, not even five minutes, a minute before I was going to click live, go live, had internet issues, and I had to go back and reset the router and the box and all of those things, and now I'm five minutes late. So hopefully that is the only hiccup we have in this podcast. Also, you may recognize that I am not introducing any other guests, and that's a little bit scary. I've wanted to do, as I told some others, a solo podcast for some time, just to sort of see how it went. And, um, you know, I'm already not sure how I feel about it. So, you know, this might crash and burn at some point. I don't know. I hope it doesn't. Obviously, I'm feeling pretty good about, you know, so far, but hopefully, uh, you know, we can get, uh, you know, a few minutes of good content out. And, you know, just because I don't have any other perspectives today, it might be a little bit brief. So we're gonna we're here for about 45 minutes or so, maybe shorter. But if you're listening, thanks for listening along. Obviously, if you are not listening live, you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, somewhere of that nature, Spreaker, wherever it is. Um, so make sure you're checking us out all over those places, wherever you're listening. If there's another place that's more convenient for you, let me know and I can get it there. Um I think that's about it. So, like I said, I am your host. I am Ben Belden. You can find me online, first of all, at slapthesign.com. You can find a lot of my written work over there. Not a lot of. All of my Notre Dame written work over there. That's slapthesign.com. Make sure you're following the Slap the Sign Twitter, at slapthesign. Pretty self-explanatory. Make sure you're following the Under the Dome podcast on Twitter, at underthedome underscore nd. And my personal Twitter is at bbelden330. So like I say, check us out at all of those places. Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day weekend. Hopefully that means for most of you, you're not going into work tomorrow. I know I'm not. I'm actually going to be enjoying a four-day weekend. I was off Friday, but not for a happy reason. I am a teacher, and my kids gave me, well, I'm assuming it was my kids, but they gave me strep throat. So... I was off Friday, still feeling the kind of after effects of strep throat, but those after effects are far less severe with, you know, what went on on the football field last night. We'll talk about that here in a second, but before we talk about and get down and dirty with Notre Dame football, I've got an 
ad to uh, to pay the bills. So here we go. The Under the Dome podcast is thankful to the great people at Electrosound who graciously donated audio equipment and accessories to help make this podcast sound awesome. If you're in the market for audio consulting, the purchasing or renting of equipment, or any other audio needs, make sure that you check out their website at electrosound.com. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I sound.com. All right, so if you're new to the podcast, you're new here for any reason, um, and even if you're kind of an old podcast listener and you haven't listened in a couple episodes, we're trying out this new voicemail feature here at the Under the Dome Show and Podcast. So if you're listening live and you want to call in and leave a voicemail, you can call at 812-624-5276 to do that. I've got one voicemail that I'm going to get to here in a little bit. It's a repeat caller, and we're glad that he called back. But if you are listening live, like I say, and you want to have your voice heard in any way, shape, or form, I will be playing those podcasts. I'm sorry, those voicemails live on the podcast. Let's, um, you know, like I say, this is a live show, and, you know, we don't quite, I don't have a producer yet. So let's just make sure that those are uh, as squeaky clean as possible, if you, if you would, please. So, um, also, if you want to try my Twitter at bbelden330 or the Under the Dome Twitter at Under the Dome underscore ND, I'll be checking those feeds during the show. So if you got anything, you know, let me know. Oh, and if you're listening on Spreaker and you're on the Spreaker website, there's a chat box underneath the live player. And if you want to type something in there, I will see that as well. So all of that out of the way, I guess it's time to get down to business. And I guess it's time to start talking about Notre Dame and Michigan from last night. And if you will uh bear with me here i just i just have a very i guess how do i put this i have a very definitive statement to make and that statement is this notre dame football is back you heard it folks i i think this team is legit i think this is as good of a team that we've had in the brian kelly era i know we're only one not even 24 hours into our season i guess and I'm making some definitive type statements, but I'll tell you what, um, it, it feels different. And while it may be a little bit premature to discuss Notre Dame as a college football contender, I think that some of the inclinations that I had over the offseason that Notre Dame was going to be pretty darn good are true. Brandon Wimbush has improved. Now he certainly could fall off. The defense is as good as they've been hyped up to me and maybe even better. The pass rush is great. And, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that Notre Dame's victory, their, you know, home victory under the lights, big time game, ranked opponent, rivalry, it was everything it lived up to be. And I think it's reasonable to say that that victory just feels different than other victories before. And that's actually one thing that we are going to talk about here in a voicemail, which was left by Kyle from... Gloucester, Massachusetts. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Kyle will say it whenever I play his voicemail here in a second. So without further ado, let's hear from Kyle. Hey, guys. Kyle from Gloucester, Massachusetts. I've called him one, one time before, but um wanted to make a comment. You know, Brian Kelly's caught a ton of flack in the past for, and probably rightfully so, right, for not winning the big games. He's He's had a history of mostly winning the games he should. Um, you know, South Florida, Tulsa would be the ones where he hasn't, right? But 
know, I think everyone's beef with Brian Kelly was in a, in a big game matchup um, against a ranked opponent, pull more away. He, you know, he didn't, he just couldn't get it done. And, I, and I'm just like tonight, we we built it. We we all bought in rather to the, the agenda of the last year or two of Van Gorder's gone. Getting back to basics, we're going to rebuild the line the right way, and all those things. And, and you know, recruiting has shown that, and that's a good sign, right? But I, I just I feel so I'm happy, right? I just feel really happy, I guess, that uh, Kelly capitalized on an opportunity to show all the doubters that this is a huge game. I'm going to come out, and all everyone, all America is going to be watching this college game day, and I'm going to win. And I, I just want to put the doubters to bed a little bit that say, like, you know what? Everyone wants the next, you know, the grass isn't always greener, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, and it's not. Brian Kelly's a good coach. He has a good blueprint for success. He's done it in a lot of places. Is he Nick Saban? No, but there's only one Nick Saban. Um, I feel really positive in the direction that we're going, and I hope everyone else does. So kudos to Brian Kelly. Kudos to uh, Notre Dame football. Kudos to the athletic department for for just getting the whole thing done. Like, I just, I'm very happy, and I, I, I couldn't, I want to express that. So uh, I know it's late. I had probably one too many beers, but uh, go Irish, and I look forward to a, a long uh, a long season with a lot of success. Thanks. Well, Kyle, th- first of all, thanks for calling in again. Glad to hear you again, and you had some great insight there. I don't know that I can say what you said any better. I, I think you're spot on with your analysis. First of all, you know, it's perfectly reasonable. Kyle left that message after the game was over late last night. Obviously, Kyle has uh, hopefully had some fun and continued to have fun after leaving that that voicemail. Um, but that's perfectly fine, Kyle. You keep calling back. Thanks. Um, like I say, that number is 812-624-5276 if you want to call in and get your your name and your voice heard on the podcast. But that being said, um, I, I want to address what Kyle said. First of all, I want to say that uh, Pete Sampson, uh, formerly of Irish Illustrated and now of The Athletic, wrote a great piece kind of touching on the types of things that Kyle said and elaborating on them as well. I just want to give kind of a plug for The Athletic. You know, I'd encourage you to check them out and uh, make sure that, you know, it's a short it's a very small amount. It's not a very steep price to, to get the athletic for a year. They do great work over there and Pete's really good at what he does as well. So, you know, if you can afford three bucks or whatever it is a month to read about Notre Dame and all of those teams that the athletic covers across the country, then it, it's well worth your investment. And no, I don't get any type of, uh, I don't know. I don't get any type of kickbacks. They didn't pay me to say that. So, but I do want to make sure that I tip my hat to Pete and other Irish people that uh, have said this. Um, you know, through Brian Kelly's tenure at Notre Dame, it it surely has felt like, I guess you could say that this Irish team in a lot of ways has constantly been spinning its wheels. And while I don't know um completely why that is and I can't quite put my finger on exactly why that is 
it's the truth. If you've looked at the trajectory of this program under Brian Kelly, you know, obviously you start back in 2010 when he took over. By 2012, they're playing in the national championship game, but they clearly haven't completely arrived yet because they got shellacked by Alabama. Then they go through kind of a rebuilding year in 2013 um, after Everett Golson was suspended. They start off hot in 2014. They fall off. And then again, they get hot again in 2015, and they just fall short at the end with you know losing that heartbreaking game against Stanford. 2016 happens, and everyone wants to be all gloom and doom about everything. Brian Kelly tears down and starts the program completely over, and you know that's six years into his tenure. We have relative good success last year in 2017. 10 win season victory over LSU in the Citrus Bowl. Things are looking up. But even this year, a lot of people I think were expecting the Irish to, especially with some of the questions about Brandon Wimbush, remain kind of stagnant, I suppose. Spin their wheels, kick the tires again. And if anything, you know, I don't know that a lot of experts have, have thought that Notre Dame could possibly get better off of what they did last year, given that Brandon Wimbush was, like I say, giving us some pause as to how far he had progressed and how far he could carry this offense. We knew the defense would be darn good at slap the sign. And on this podcast, we've said that, and others have said this as well as I have, that this type of defense, and I think you know our recruiting coordinator and analyst, Nathan Erbach, said this best that he thinks, and I wholeheartedly agree with Nathan, that this defense is a national championship caliber type defense but with maybe a 7, 8, 9, 10 win quarterback at maximum on the offensive side and somewhere they were going to meet in the middle. But I think that you know what we're seeing with Brandon Wimbush is that maybe he's a little bit better than an 8 or 9 win quarterback. Maybe. you know I know it's only been one game this season, but anyway, I digress. The point is, though, that I think a lot of people didn't expect Notre Dame to look like they looked last night. And no, we don't know a lot about Michigan, and we really have some question marks still about Notre Dame. Certainly, you know, we might look back on this game and think to ourselves later in the season, if Michigan ends up being 8-5, and five, that this wasn't the, the victory that we thought it would be, or thought it was. But we could also look back, kind of like we did last year against Georgia, in a loss and think, man, that loss was, that was a really good loss. We were, we were playing really good, high quality football at that point. And I think that it's hard to tell early in the season. It's just hard to tell win or lose what we've got in a Notre Dame team. Certainly we didn't know last year at Georgia. We probably don't really know a whole lot about Michigan and that's okay. But for right now, I think to a certain extent that there is, a certain degree of encouragement that I have and certain clues, I guess, that I have, I don't know, hopefully I'm reading correctly, that just indicate that this is a different Notre Dame football team. We're done with the having to tear down and rebuild. We're done with that type of situation. You know, it seems like now we've reached a point where everything seems stable. We've gotten a certain degree of the proverbial monkey off of our back if there's, I mean, there's reason for this team to play loose going forward. 
getting into a stretch of games where we talk about Stanford and Virginia Tech and then, you know, going halfway across the country and playing Navy and and playing Florida State, and I'm probably not getting the schedule in the correct order and all of that, but I think we're going to reach a point in the season where I would be surprised, given how we saw Notre Dame play, that by the time, and we'll learn about Virginia Tech specifically um, tomorrow night as they play on Monday, but I think we'll learn about Notre Dame a lot in that game because... Stanford didn't look very good in the opening week of the season. Certainly not as good as Notre Dame. Um, Stanford's offensive line really struggled. Bryce Love couldn't find any running room. And I, I, Stanford let San Diego State, I don't know, hang around for a long time before eventually putting them away. You know, I'd be really surprised if going into Virginia Tech this Notre Dame team wasn't undefeated. I, I just don't see a way that things are going to happen where Notre Dame's going to lose to Ball State, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, or Stanford. I just don't. And uh, so that being said, you know, I, I want to get back to this Michigan game now. I've digressed already a little bit further than I, than I intended to. But Here's what I have to say about this this Michigan game, getting back to what Kyle said a little bit ago. This game felt different because, number one, I, I can't pick at the game plan. There's nothing about the game plan that I look back at, and I've watched the game twice now. I watched it live, and I watched it once this morning, that made me feel like, oh, I really would have done that a lot differently. It sort of seems like, you know, at times Notre Dame was a little bit stagnant on offense. At times they were struggling with the pass rush. But they did the types of things that I would have done. Maybe I would have tried it a little sooner. Maybe I would have mixed it in more. Maybe, I, I mean, and my play calling would have been a little different, but I'm not saying it would have been better. But Notre Dame ran quarterback draw on third and 16, I think it was, for 22 yards. It's unheard of. And it worked. Um, they found ways for Brandon to make plays in the passing game. They found ways for Brandon to move the sticks on third down with his feet. He rushed the ball, I think it was 19 times for 59 yards, and that's okay. He took a sack or two. But the point is that Brian Kelly had said, and we were all happy to see this, that they were going to put a – game plan in place for Brandon Wimbush who he is and not who they want him to be and I think that that was completely and totally accurate given what they got what we saw against Michigan and what we saw against Michigan and using some of their aggressiveness against them I mean there were a couple plays and you know it was the first game of the season and execution wasn't perfect but there were plays you know, Avery Davis got involved in a screen. It picked up 10 yards. I think it was wiped out by a holding penalty. Um, you know, the other thing is this, you know, probably Notre Dame's best offensive play of the night was negated by a penalty. That was a penalty, but not a penalty that helps them gain a competitive advantage in any way. That back shoulder throw to Miles Boykin that would have put Notre Dame up 28 to 10 Instead, they had to, I guess, settle for a field goal. However, I would contend that, you know, Michigan gave Chase Winovich specifically gave Notre Dame four points because on third and goal from the eight, 
Brandon Wimbush misfired in the back of the end zone, but Winovich decided to lower his helmet and use his helmet as a weapon, and I think that's where the roughing the passer came from. And Notre Dame was able then, instead of three points, they got seven. So I guess those things kind of cancel out now that I think about it. Um, But the game plan was good. All right, moving on. The defense, absolutely superb. I mean, we thought that the defense was going to be great. We thought that things were going to work out really well for the defense. Notre Dame was in the top 50 of defenses last year. I think they were in the 30s at some point. Um, I, I didn't know that the defense would be this good to be honest with you. I thought they'd be pretty darn good, and I thought that the offense would be maybe a little better. But I'll take the defense being better than I expected and the offense being about average as as far as what I expected. The defense was superb, and they're going to be the backbone of this team. And thinking about how Notre Dame struggled so, so badly on offense against Georgia a season ago, it was refreshing to see them come out with a game plan, having learned from that game and having seen what worked what didn't work knowing you were facing a similar type of defense a defense that was really good but didn't have quite the same team speed and you know they just put it on Michigan early and it was refreshing to see that because how many times have we seen that reversed against you know for Notre Dame against big time opponents how many times have we seen big time opponents come out and jump on Notre Dame the way that Notre Dame jumped on Michigan and this was the first time where I was just like Notre Dame is out coaching their opponents and let me take that back for a certain to a certain degree it was the first time that they were out coaching their opponents where it just didn't seem like Notre Dame had the competitive advantage all across the board so you know I I, it would be easy to sit here a week from today after hopefully a win at balls against Ball State and say no Brian Kelly out coached Ball State's coach (laughs) but that's easy to say but in a big matchup like Brian Kelly and his coaching staff outcoached Jim Harbaugh. Chip Long outcoached Don Brown in the first half. That's not something that we've been able to say about Notre Dame for a long time. In all this game just felt kind of different. You know, in, in past years, like I say, it Notre Dame would have been the team in past years. And, and how many times have we heard this narrative? So let me lay this narrative out for you for a second. You get behind, you weather the storm. You score on a special teams play. You make a comeback that falls just short because, you know, you got the ball back with two minutes left and you were moving the ball a little bit and then you got hit by the by a defensive lineman, you fumbled, and then the game was over. Sounds an awful lot like a narrative that Notre Dame fans know all too well, but this time the script was flip-flopped. And it's because Brian Kelly outcoached Harbaugh for the first half. It's it's just plain and simple. So, you know, it, it's interesting. It's refreshing to see that script flipped in a way that we haven't seen in South Bend in many years. And, you know, I, I think if you take a step back from this game and you look at it in a view of, you know, 30,000 feet, as some people like to say, Notre Dame didn't play perfect in this game. You know, Michigan's defensive ends manhandled Notre Dame's tackles for most of the night. Um, Robert Hainsey struggling um, might have been the result of a calf injury that he suffered in camp and maybe isn't completely healed. I don't know. But 
Robert Hainsey struggled with Winovich specifically. Rashawn Gary got in there for a couple sacks and hurries. But Notre Dame, and I'm going to keep coming back to this, they won a marquee game against a ranked opponent at night, and now they have the opportunity to tweak and fix against teams like Ball State and Vandy before getting into the more difficult part of the schedule with, you know, Wake Forest will be a tough game, but a win, or at least it should be a win. I'm going to knock on wood as I say this. And then, like I say, getting into Stanford and Virginia Tech and that thing. Speaking of Brian Kelly, and here's something that I saw on Twitter. I, you know, I base a lot of what I talk about on this podcast based off of reactions and things that I say. So, you know, <laughs> you may not specifically call into the podcast, but I may have seen something that you've tweeted or something or that a lot of people have tweeted about. And um, I don't know. I, I may use that information i suppose on the podcast so you're indirectly involved but you know i tweeted from the slap sign twitter twitter at some point the tweeter at some point oh boy um that i didn't want the irish to go as conservative as they went at the end of the game and they did especially on that last drive you know i i really i guess when i was watching it live i didn't realize how conservative they were playing offensively and that's okay. I mean, they were playing conservative. They were able to move the ball a little bit. They were able to eat up enough time that Michigan just didn't have the time to operate that they needed at the end of the game because Michigan's offense, let's face it, is still not a quick strike offense. But on third and six following a timeout, you know, we're, we're in the slap the sign group chat talking about what Notre Dame needs to do. And, you know, some of us are saying run pass option or roll out and let Brandon Wimbush get on the edge and make a decision about whether he's going to throw the ball and try to keep it down with his feet or, you know, uh, the QB draw that they ran with the lead blocker with Tony Jones on third and 16 or whatever it was would have been a good call, I thought. Instead, they went with a really conservative play call with a read option. Obviously, that was kind of what I was getting at, but I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more aggression there. I think Brandon got a yard or two. Michigan used their last time out. There was exactly two minutes left, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is the first time my heart rate has gotten above normal elevation all game. I thought we were going to run away with this, and, and we kind of conservative to the game away a little bit there at the end. But, you know, in watching the second time, knowing what happened, I guess I'm sort of sitting there thinking like, okay, I mean, we've said all along on this podcast and at Slap the Sign, a national championship type defense, a 12-0 and type defense so if you really feel that way, it's an absolute no-brainer what you do in that situation. Two minutes, 12 seconds left, I believe there was, when Notre Dame got the ball first and 10. They run three straight run plays, 12-second possession, make Michigan use all three of those timeouts, and then you punt it away to him with a minute 48 left. Perfect handling of that situation with the type of defense you have, in my estimation. I mean... Real easy to want to put the game away, put it on ice with your offense, but that's not what you're here to do. That's not what Brandon Wimbush is here to do. That's what your defense is here to do. And if you can take away Michigan's ability to call timeout and regroup and draw up plays and make sure that they're in the right spot and not have to hurry and all of that, go ahead and do it and let your defense go out there and win the game, and that's exactly what happened. You lean on the guys like Jerry Tillery and Tavon Coney on that last play to get a pass rush to knock the ball free, to pick it up. Tavon Coney, fall on a fumble, please. I, I, I darn near had a heart attack when he tried to pick it up and, 
you know, it looked like for just a second he bobbled it, and then he's trying to return it, and eventually I'm like, go out of bounds. <laughs> um, but anyway, he was he was trying to put the capper on the game, I guess. I don't necessarily blame him for that. It all worked out. But, you know, like I say, you've got a national championship-type defense. I am perfectly okay with Brian Kelly being as conservative as he was going forward um, at the end of that game. I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, if it means that the game plan is going to be to jump all over teams like they did and – you know, I don't. I don't know that I would say that Notre Dame parked the bus, but I, they parked the bus to a certain extent. They didn't park the bus in the third quarter, but they certainly did it midway through the fourth to a certain extent, and uh, you know, it worked this time around. Some defensive thoughts. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what. This pass rush, impressive, and if you read anything about what we've you know, published over at Slap the Sign the last couple of days leading up to the game and even in our defensive grades that Nathan wrote. We're high on this pass rush. A lot of us have been high on Khalid Kareem. He was around the, the passer all evening. Couple tackles for loss, couple sacks. Jerry Tillery was good up the middle. Dalen Hayes made a couple plays in the run and the pass game, getting hurries. I don't think he, you know, had the greatest stat line, but if you go back and you watch, he was making some great pass rush moves. He was getting pressure. He was making Shea Patterson move. Uh, same goes with Romeo Okwara, who I didn't know that he had those ball skills. Um, he dropped back and intercepted that pass. Um, middle linebacker Tavon Coney is just so strong. I tweeted at some point during the game last night that there was a play down near the goal line, I believe, when Michigan was down there, um, I, when it was 14 to nothing, I believe it was, where Coney was fully engaged in a block, looked like Michigan was going to gash Notre Dame for a touchdown, and he just rips his arm out there and just rips the ball carrier down while trying to shed a block. He just closed the alley so quickly, used his arm, got him down on the ground. It, you know, and it wasn't a flashy play, but I tweeted at the time, go back and rewatch that play and tell and tell me how Tavon Coney isn't the best linebacker on the field right now. He he's just so good in the middle. And my goodness was Alohi Gilman all over the place. He was making plays at the line of scrimmage. He was making plays, you know, knocking down passes in the end zone on third down shortly after Coney made that stop. I believe they got a sack, and then there was a third and ten or eleven from the you know from the ten or eleven yard line. And Alohi Gilman makes a great play on a dig route in the end zone. Alohi Gilman is such an upgrade from what they had at safety last year. Let's just put it that way. Um, the last thing that I'll say about the defense is just that I mean, first of all, I mean they played so well, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Notre Dame is going to be really good on third down this year because their nickel package where they can take off, um, you know, some of the, you know, you can take Jonathan Bonner, who's really more of just your three technique nose guard lineup on one shoulder of the center type of guy. You can take him off the field. Jerry Tillery is going to stay on. You can put Khalid Kareem, you move him inside and you get these, those two rushers of Okwara and Dalen Hayes on the outside and you can pin your ears back and just get after the quarterback. They're going to be good on third down. Now I wish Sean Crawford was here. Um, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second, but that defensive front where with those four guys who are all great pass rushers, 
but aren't necessarily playing out of position, that nickel sub package is going to be something to watch, and I'm excited to watch it a lot more. Um, areas of concern with the defense, you know, I was concerned a little bit with with Jalen Elliott. Jalen Elliott is, uh, you know, he's playing the strong safety type of position, and uh, there were a couple plays, you know, Michigan had a little bit of advantage on a couple of drives where, you know, they're rolling Shea Patterson out. They're finding guys down the field along the perimeter. And I'm just watching Jalen Elliott back there. And, you know, there are times where, you know, he's got to make a decision about which guy he's going to go cover, whether he's going to help out the corner and leave another guy underneath wide open, whether he's going to take the underneath route and maybe the corner gets beat over the top there. I mean, that's the life of a safety, but, there were multiple times where I'm watching Jalen Elliott and boy, <laughs> he wasn't really making either type. He wasn't taking either of those things away. And there were times where he was burned and there was times where Michigan exploited it. And there were times when he was burned and Michigan was unable to exploit it because Notre Dame's pass rush was just that good. So I'd like to see a little bit more of Houston Griffith going forward. I don't think we saw him till the third quarter. I don't think the plan was to play a lot of true freshmen against Michigan. Uh, you know, against Ball State, I wouldn't be surprised to see Houston Griffith go into that nickel package and be that nickel back, which would allow then Nick Coleman to stay at safety and then it would allow, you know, Gilman. You know, Gilman's going to be a staple on the field. Nick Coleman was rotating up to nickel and then Jalen Elliott was coming on the field. Um, if you can put Houston Griffith at one of those spots, either the the safety or the nickel, and keep Nick Coleman on the field, I think you're going to be better off in the long run. I like Griffith's upside a lot better than I guess I like Jalen Elliott. So the last thing I want to talk about, and you know, it's a hot-button topic for Notre Dame, is the play of Brandon Wimbush. You know, the guy was 10 of 15 for 150 yards in the first half. All we heard all offseason was, passing issues, accuracy issues, does he know the offense, does he blah, 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 blah. I think he answered those things. You know, he obviously fell off a little bit in the second half. Michigan was able to kind of button up that defensive line a little bit and pin their ears back. And obviously the game plan switched from being aggressive to, to letting, you know, to being a little bit more conservative and letting the defense just go out and play. But, you know, it just comes back to the idea that, you know, it's so much easier for Brian Kelly to put together the type of game plan that he did for Brandon Wimbush to jump on a team, to be a little bit more conservative when you have such supreme confidence in your defense. And, you know, to circle back to Brandon for a second, given that that was clearly what the game plan was, I don't know that Brandon could have executed it much better. I don't think you should ask much more of him. That's that's the best defense probably that Notre Dame is going to play all season. And he was above 50% completion percentage. You know, he was at 66.67 at halftime. Um, didn't pass as much in the second half. Didn't complete many passes in the second half. That's okay. Um, but like I say, that's, that's probably the best team, the best defense that the Irish are going to face all season. And, you know, I think they're in a good spot to make tweaks and make improvements, work those things out over the next couple of weeks before you get into that brutal end of the schedule where you're playing five games away from South Bend of over the course of the 
last seven games of the season. Sorry, it took me a second to get out of there. A couple other notes real quickly before we sign off. Um, I wrote in my post-game article over at slapthesign.com that Michigan, uh, I'm sorry, that Notre Dame escaped the Michigan game pretty healthy. I obviously made a bad omission. Uh, it came out today that Myron Tunga Viola Mosa, backup defensive lineman, um, broke his foot. I believe it was in the second quarter. He had only played a few snaps. Um, potentially a decent sized blow for the Irish. I mean, he was right up there. You know, Notre Dame has four linemen, defensive linemen that they are set with to start games, but. You know, he was going to be, you know, he and Kirk Heinish are, you know, the second string guys behind Jerry Tillery and Jonathan Bonner. But really, it's almost like one and one A um, and losing that little bit of depth is going to be harmful to Notre Dame, I think. But that being said, Jason Adam Aloha, a true freshman, a guy that they're really high on. This is going to be a great opportunity for him to come in and, you know, be on that two deep. Uh, he didn't play against Michigan. Like I say, I don't think they were going to play many freshmen for many snaps. We saw, saw Kevin Austin at receiver a little bit. We saw Houston Griffith in the secondary, and that was about it. Jason Adamello is going to be a guy that, you know, they're going to play him going forward. I, I would expect to see a good usage of him against Ball State, against Vandy the week after. Um so just just something uh, to keep an eye out for. So that's really all I got. Um, you know, I made it 37 minutes so far. I'm kind of impressed with myself. Like I say, I am your host, Ben Belden. Find me on Twitter at bbelden330, the Under the Dome podcast, at underthedome underscore nd, slapthesign.com, and at slapthesign. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, anywhere you find your podcasts. Like I say, I hope you're having a great Labor Day weekend. We'll be back early in the week, tomorrow night, Tuesday morning maybe, with a new podcast. We're going to have one of our fellow Slap the Sign writers on, Mason Plummer. He is a student at Ball State, so he's done all of the Ball State research we're going to have him on to talk about Ball State, guys to look out for, places where Ball State maybe could find a wrinkle that works against Notre Dame and that type of thing. We're going to have him on the podcast, like I say, early next week. And uh, that'll be released, obviously, like I say, Monday night, Tuesday morning, more than likely. And, you know, obviously, we'll still be talking a little bit about Michigan. But at this point, like I say, it's it's great that we got 1-0. The Irish are going to move forward and... You know, I don't mean to jinx anyone or jinx anything when I say this, but I think it's we spent so much of the offseason holding our breath ahead of this Michigan game that I am looking forward to the potential that Notre Dame is going to be able to put Ball State away early to a point where we aren't holding our breath the whole time. Same with Vandy. And then same, hopefully, with Wake Forest as well. Um, if we're sitting at 4-0, perfect. You know, Stanford, like I say, I don't think they're very good. Then we got Virginia Tech and a couple of other interesting matchups down the way. So, anyway, I think that's all that I've got. Thanks for listening. If you check this out live, I appreciate you. 
if you uh, before ahead of our Ball State podcast, if you would like to call in, ask Ball State questions to Mason or myself. That number again is eight one two six two four five two seven six. It will go straight to a voicemail. You'll hear my voice. You can leave a voicemail message. So hopefully that continues to catch on like it has a little bit here at the beginning of the season. Make sure you're utilizing that. We play all appropriate messages on the air. And like I say, this is the third time I've said it now, but you know, I think that's it. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Check us out all over the web. And until next time, go Irish. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.